What's up, everybody? Hey, uh, welcome to another edition of Post Twink, the podcast. Um, you are here with your host, Maurice. Hey, Maurice. And this is Reed and Hala. Hala. I can't not do it. I have to do it every time. That's fine. Um, Reed is joining us live from uh, Hala, Germany. And Moises is and, not. Um, yeah, where's like, Moises? A little guest here with us. Um, Mr. Gray. Hi, Gray. Um, Gray, say hi. Hey, everyone. I can't say holla. It sounds weird, but hello. <laughs> this is Gray. Um, so, yeah. So, as usual, um, we just want to come to you with our monthly installment, our monthly conversation surrounding um, gay, queer, bi, cis, uh, and trans men um, talking about sexuality and life. Um, so... Our format is the same, um, what you love about us so much, is what are you reading, what do you love, what makes you come. We will explore these topics and go off on a few constructive tangents like we all do. Um, so, Reed, I feel like I've not talked to you in forever, like, feels like a year or something. Oh, uh, we talked um, one month ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've... Uh... I've 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 been in Germany for now. I've been in Germany for exactly two years as of today, and to, oh wow, yeah. happy anniversary! Happy anniversary! That's huge. Oh my god, it is. And what's also nice about today is that it is. It's not really nice, but it is the regional election elections in Saxony, and the far right party, the, like the somewhat like neo Nazi party, won thirty seven percent. So they're the second largest party in Saxony now. So it's on my, on my, oh, wow. on my second year anniversary, <laughs> it's like, but it, it informs like uh, a lot of my impression of, of Germany in, in, in a way. <laughs> wow. Here in America, the neo-Nazis are still in power. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they are winning. They are leading their best lives. <laughs> um, and we are all dealing with it who are not neo-Nazis. Yeah. Especially us who are people of color. Yeah, and so have you been? Me, um, good. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm figuring it out. I've had a. It's been an interesting. It's about to be so depressing. Um, this episode is going to be maybe a little uh, bit rough. Going up, my grandmother passed, and I attended her funeral on Monday. Mm. Um, this is the grandmother who lives here in Colorado and who. Um, uh, long story short, you know, partially raised me in that I spent the second half of my life growing up in her house. Right. Um, so, um... Is she, uh, this... She was an older lady. My father uh, take, had to take care of her. He was the son who moved back to take care of her. So when I was a teen, I grew up in the same house my father grew up with my father and my grandmother. Um, and, yeah, the second family death in 60 days. Um, so, it's it's interesting. Is she the? Um... I was telling a friend. I was like, I don't know if I'm really good at handling death, or if I'm just like a master compartmentalizer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have no idea. But um, well, right now, yeah, right now is really... is too early for you to answer that question. <laughs> okay, is, is it? I don't know how this works. Well, yeah, it, like who knows, who knows where you'll be in a while. Sorry. Um, is this and was is this the, the grandmother that was the kind of the the like uh, queer influence? No, 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 no. My big old lesbian grandmother. She's still alive and kicking in the desert. All right, she's good. <laughs> she, all right. she still got her own house full of crystals and shit. She probably live forever. She'll probably, she'll probably outlive me. You know, when folks are practicing witchcraft, you know, it's a whole different 
a whole different thing. All right. Um, I think about she died, like, she would have been 90 in about two weeks, um, which, yeah, which is about the time people outside the family, you know, we, they, they do about early to mid-90s, so, um, so honestly, I'm not been really pissed with thinking about a lot of stuff, and, um, yeah, so it's not, I mean, it sounds sad, but it's not sad, I've just been really reflecting a little bit lately, so. Um, great. All right. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Super busy. Okay. School just started. That doesn't, so that doesn't. The students are back on campus. So, wait, so you're teaching? How, how, how much are you teaching? How many classes are you teaching? I'm not really teaching classes. It's the School of Architecture. Will They have their courses, and then for prescribed subjects, they'll come in and they'll do a course there. Okay. What does that, what does that mean? I don't know. That means that we help with them with their research projects. We help them understanding the infrastructure of buildings and sustainable infrastructures. I focus on the emergency management aspect of it because a lot of uh, coursework doesn't revolve around putting an emergency plan in your master plan for city development. So I talk about that. So they can think about that when they're creating their like final project for the class. So they come to you and you're bossy and you tell them that they're wrong and terrible. Not at all. I give them <laughs> ideas to think about that they can put into their plan. And by emergency by emergency planning, what do you mean? Like, this is an American college campus, so what does that mean? I didn't understand what you said. I'm you so said, sorry. said, what the hell is emergency planning for architecture? Oh, so it's emergency planning in your actual, like, infrastructure of your city development. So much of what we talk about is the urban and regional planning of the course. So say there's a lot of building codes in if you're going to put a museum or if it's going to be a park or a oh. school, whatnot. And the, the building codes will change so the, depending on how it's being used. So the emergency is you, you're changing the design of the campus. And this wasn't... Uh, it's more so is that you're thinking about it. Okay as you're designing the campus. And now more than ever, you have to think about uh, natural disasters with like say climate change, you have active harm or you have active shooter, those kind of uh, situations and making sure that there are enough exit routes and making sure that the flow is good for, for the actual building that they're creating. For, okay, so you're, it's, it's planning, just because for the listeners in Germany, planning, repl- like figuring out how to redesign a building um, for like, Things such as an active shooter, like a mass shooting. And also like earthquakes, floods. Mm-hmm. People have to leave the building earthquakes, to be safe. Earthquakes, floods, okay. fires, tornadoes, blizzards. Oh, I want to tell you something. I had, so I was in uh, uh, the Bay Area in California about two weeks ago. Um, there was a Healing Justice Summit that I was, um, helped support the the planning for and I did a lot of facility, and I kind of co-hosted it um, the conference all day and I was in my first ever earthquake oh wow it was my first one I was so excited you're so excited <laughs> yeah because we were there and our um, our because it was being um, live streamed and recorded and so the the unit hanging from the ceiling that was recording us and the projector kept shaking while we were like in one of the panels that like, I was facilitating the panel and I didn't know what was going on, so I was trying to play it off. And then, like, all of our monitors kept shaking. And I had no idea what was going on. 
And so I was just trying to be like a really good facilitator and just kind of like be really <laughs> dig deep into my panelists and make them tell great stories and narratives just to like out people from the fact that like all the monitors are shaking. <laughs> and then I learned later from tech support, they send me a text, they're like, hey, just a little earthquake. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Just let everybody know what the exit routes are in case we have to evacuate. Um, but yeah, I had no idea. But it was my first one. I kind of in Colorado, and so they don't, we don't really have earthquakes here. We don't have them in Germany. I guess it was a small one. So like, like, like the ground wasn't opening up or anything. But it was just like it was like the ground was stable, but everything was shaking in the room. And I had yeah, it was. I had my first earthquake. Wow. I feel like like I'm literally living life. Now you have to do is go for your hurricane. You were saying Reed, that they don't have earthquakes in Germany, or they're not common. I assume because everything here is made out of stone <laughs> that, <laughs> that they don't. Um, but maybe Maurice, should we should we should we begin the questions? Yes, but I want us to really get affected. I had my first earthquake. I know so that's, that's amazing. Like really <laughs> okay. Um, so despite let's talk about earthquakes as our opening statement, um, let's talk about the quaking in our lives. Um, so what are you, what is everybody reading right now? I can go, but how about, I mean, can you girls read? Um, yeah. I've been, I've been, so the reason I was silent is I've been reading a lot and, um, uh, I guess, yeah, I, uh, are you really? Cause you're stumbling. No, it's the only reason I'm stumbling is because, uh, I'm afraid that I've, I've gone so deep into the hole that the like rabbit hole that it's hard for me to communicate clearly <laughs> to, to people. So I have to go back to like where I kind of started, uh, which in a way is, um, like one of the reasons why I like to travel is because, uh, my body has always kind of felt like it's in a foreign place, even if that was in the U S. Um, it's usually been like, there's. Uh, social like societal pressures that are put on me that um, don't really match with what my body is trying to tell me. So it's really easy to think about that with sexuality. And so it's one of the reasons why I like to travel is because I'm trying to, to um, understand if, home. yeah, well understand if there are other um, in a way. So for a while it was just trying to see if there are other ways of um, living life as a human and uh, most of the time when I was doing that, if I'm going to China or I'm going somewhere else, it's, it's, um, it's like just trying to find somewhere else, but you just said finding home, which is, um, not, not random because, uh, so the first, the first thing that I'm reading, it was a podcast, um, with, uh, Lila June and it was called, uh, healing our indigenous European ancestors which I stumbled upon because I was, I was somewhere and on the internet and I found this. And it's really interesting because it was a, a, so a Native American, uh, American Indian, uh, 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 well, a person who um, was part European and um, her whole family was part European and they, there was a lot of shame that they had associated with that. And she thought that her family was actively harming themselves because they were, they never really addressed this, this part of them that was European and the, this part of them that they really hated. Um, yeah, it's the rough, yeah, I can remember that. And so um, what she did was uh, she uh, tried to figure out like, well, how can I, how can I heal this part of my, my body, like this part of my um, heritage? And uh, the way that she did that was by going um, to Europe and 
trying to understand uh, why Europeans do the terrible things that they do. So like part of the thing that she was saying is that like, you don't just like wake up in the morning and decide you're gonna like kill Jewish children or you don't like uh, uh, decide to, to um, commit genocide across an entire continent <laughs> like in North America or you don't in decide to um, enslave people. So she was saying that people are, when they do these things, they're... I'm learning right now because that's what feels <laughs> on this side of the equation. <laughs> no, but keep going. That like, that, yeah, well, so, um, but it, it's compassionate in a way that I haven't been compassionate to German people since I've been living here. Um, mm. And so especially when you think about German people, like, there's a lot of reasons why I don't really like Germany. They're not really nice to strangers. There's this other kind of superficial stuff where there's too many rules. Um, and then I just kind of realized that like these people have been like completely, their lives have been completely destroyed for multiple generations. And so they have this, this like, for instance, in the part of Germany I live in now where everyone's voting for these like, um, neo-Nazi type figure figures, um, the, they were living under like an authoritarian government right after the first, the second world war, um, and, and they've just kind of been like doing these terrible things <laughs> and like they're, I guess you could say they're guilty for like burning their house down with their family inside of it, but there's still a trauma associated with, uh, with, with, um, doing terrible things, even if you're the one who's doing the terrible things. And so I kind of just realized that a lot of German people are incredibly traumatized and a lot of the way they act in public is just because they're trying to keep it together. <laughs> and um, so anyway, this, this podcast really resonated because her approach is like just to try to figure out where things went wrong. And um, she then points to a book called The Chalice and the Blade by Renee Essler, who's then talking about um, basically that like Europe has been a very like it's it's been filled with war basically for the last 3000 years and filled with like these really terrible traumatic experiences and this has happened for the last 3000 years and if you look back past that period it was actually a very peaceful place it was fairly egalitarian um there wasn't a, a big divide between sexes and gender and uh what happened was uh there was basically some prosperity, um, uh, a small group of people that were living on the steppes kind of near the Caspian Sea that slowly started to invade um, Europe and they slowly started to change the culture to one um, away from one that was more egalitarian to ones that was like very masculine, very violent, very orderly and like kind of death worshipping. And that is, uh, it's called the Kurgan Hypothesis. You can, wait, you can find it on Wikipedia. But that is basically what I've been reading, which is like deep, <laughs> deep dive into like why Europeans are so fucked up. And, and how does that relate to you? Do, do you think there's a relationship between that and you talking about at the beginning of this, um, at the beginning of your response to the question of feeling like um, foreign and other? Exactly. Um, no matter where you went, do you think there's a relationship between these two things? And so the way that it does is that instead of me trying to find a place that fits that's in another culture instead of kind of like running away from my demons i 
Mm. I um, can go back to thinking about, okay, well, these are things that are actually within, like, within a long lineage of European culture. And, and if I'm really trying to address this trauma, it's not like, I can go somewhere else and try to fix it. Like I can't do an ayahuasca ceremony and try to fix this trauma. <laughs> like this is something that like I just have to address by by thinking about all the terrible things that that my ancestors have done and then realizing that they didn't always they weren't always like that. And so it is possible mm-hmm. for for there to be a place mm-hmm. where um it's not super sexist. Um there aren't really strict gender roles. Um, it's it's not violent. There's not a lot of like order and oppression. There's more harmony with nature, um, and so there's a lot of resources out there, which is very exciting. I don't really know what's going to become of it, but um, that that uh, really captivated me. That's definitely a big rabbit hole, but it's a, it's a rabbit hole of deep healing, which sounds amazing, actually. Mm. Interesting. So I'm curious. Yeah. I, mean, I, I guess I guess what I'm taking away is like I think you're talking about, and I'm definitely putting. Interrupt me if I'm putting the incorrect words in your mouth, um, but really this piece around feeling like other foreign and like not belonging and coming to a place where you're realizing like no matter where you go on the on the globe, and you you're definitely a well traveled man. <laughs> you know what I mean? That like that's not the answer is to like run from it, but to figure out like that your piece around like integration has to do with like unpacking um, right. finding like an original or indigenous sense of culture that perhaps hasn't been accessible or available yeah. to you for quite some time. I think a lot of people can relate to that, for, you know, for sure. Um, and Gray, what are you reading? Well, mine's not nearly as involved, <laughs> to be honest. I, you were reading um, home redesign manuals. You were reading. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what you're reading. <laughs> um, so... I am currently reading, reading, it is Diplomacy by Kissinger. So because it's such a large book and taking up so much of my time, the audiobooks that I'm listening to are also things just around all of the presidential candidates. So I know that John Hickenlooper is no longer in the running, but listening to his book, there was Pete Buttigieg's Shortest Way Home. I was listening to his. I've done Elizabeth Warren's book. Wow. Um, And then I'm now listening to Career Diplomacy by Cop and Gillespie, uh, which I'm finding really dry, but I'm hoping that it picks (laughs) up. Okay. That's so my my uh, my avenues of discovery aren't as nearly as involved as yours. Well, no, but what I'm liking is that you are engaged. So I'm going to do this more. <laughs> Read you suggested this to me when I broke my arm, and I was still healing. I didn't have a right arm. Mm. Um, but, but I like the fact that you are reading multiple books, but you're using like the audiobook piece. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think like I probably do more of that. I feel like that's really helpful. I feel like it allows me to bounce back. Because I'm able to listen to it while still doing things. Where if I'm actually reading a book and I pause, I have to go back a few pages just to catch myself back up to like refresh myself when I'm starting. And I don't feel like I have to do that with audiobooks as much. I think it's kind of amazing that you're reading all of these books. And I just kind of like, I look at the 538 polls and like I just see that like, oh, Warren's up. And I like, I'm just kind of like, I'm not super involved in the election right now. I'm just kind of waiting to see how it all plays out. Um, uh, and I, yeah, um, which I'm not sure if that's the best approach, but it's kind of, I, I, yeah, I'm not as involved, but that's, 
What do you, so do you know, have, yeah. is, does it help you make decisions about who you're going to vote for these books? Uh, not necessarily. I think that I'm just trying to make sense of it all because the political arena doesn't really make sense to me whatsoever uh, with, with this election. I would assume that that the Democratic Party would really try to come together and unify, mm-hmm. uh, but it feels like they're doing the exact opposite where there's 22 presidential candidates, you know, and how many of those are on the in the Democratic Party and they're they're just showing the American people that they don't have a unified well, mission or a unified goal of how to um, bring American values or bring, you know, whatever it is that their agenda is going to be. They'd rather bicker amongst one another and call each other out rather than being unified, which is what they're saying that we can't be right now um, with the current executive cabinet that exists. So I'm just trying to that's make how, sense that's of how it some a of this bit. Just trust them, even amongst folks who historically voted along those lines. You don't really know. You don't know. I don't know. I feel like I don't know what their values are anymore in the party. Well, I, I would assume that you'd get into it for the public service component of it. And it sounds very selfish that everyone's trying to do a grab right now because mm-hmm. they think that the American pe- people are vulnerable uh, to the current the current executive branch. But I, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. Similarly to what you guys are experiencing in Germany right now, where you have this far right uh, group that got 37% of the vote. Like, that blows my mind. Hmm. 27%. Boris Johnson, who's a radical as well. Um, I think that he's a little bit more level-headed, but I I think that you're seeing it across the globe, and I don't think that we're taking it as seriously as we should be. Mm. So I'm reading all of these and listening to all of these just to understand what their story is that got them to where they are. Hmm. Well, yeah. Multi-generational trauma. I am, <laughs> I am um, I'm going to take, I'm gonna take a note from you. Um, you did Audible? I am reading um, Pleasure. I know I talked about this a while ago. I'm reading Pleasure Activism um, by Adrian Marie Brown. Um, and I talked about it a while and I put it back. And so kind of what me and some friends are doing. Um, oh, Augusto from, Augusto was on an episode a couple episodes ago. So that lovely gent. And another friend, we, this sounds, I feel like such like a middle-aged, like, lesbian now, but we've, like, informally created a book club. Um, I know, shut up. It sounds um, like my life. <laughs> <laughs> but to help me, like, to, to go through it. So we, I'm going back, rereading it, and we're just doing section by section, um, pleasure activism. And one thing that I, I don't think I was really utilizing is, like, she gives assignments for each section or each part of it. Um, and so we're starting at the beginning right now, and um, really the question that she's asking is, well, so I guess well, what the book does in general is really talking about us to like for us to consider like um, pleasure mapping and the way in which we schedule or the role that pleasure plays in our lives to be just as important as every other aspect of life, like mental health, um, like how we vote. Um, how we engage or not engage community, like our relationships to one another. She says she's proposing through a lot of references um, and a lot of other contributors to this, um, it's not an anthology, but a lot of other contributors in the book, that like it all comes from like how we understand pleasure 
in the role that we play in our life that it's, you know, exhibited in all the other factors, like how we vote, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so we're going back to pleasure. Um, and so the first assignment is, um, and I gave my book away to somebody because I rewrote her and it should be here actually in a couple hours. Um, but she asked about, like, kind of like, what is our history around pleasure? Like, who taught us what pleasure is? Um, who were who, who our early influences around pleasure? And what, and what are the first few things that we learned about, like, pleasure in our lives? And so it's sort of assignment. And so it's so like a little informal book club. Um, we're going to go section, but like, we're all going to, like, talk about that and share that one. And so it's been interesting for me to begin thinking about. We just met on Friday night um, or two nights ago. Um, and so it's been interesting for me to, like, try to discover that and figure it out. Is it about, um, is it about like, uh, sexual pleasure or more just, like, following uh, desire or... Both at the same time. Because in the first section, we talk about, like, you know, um, things that bring you joy, like physical pleasure, sexual pleasure. I mean, there's a section in the book that talks about, like, the radical politics of drug use um, and alcohol. Um, and, you know, we also are introduced to kind of, like, the way in which Audre Lorde describes the erotic, right? That we historically were used to, like, seeing eroticism as tied to sexuality or fucking. Even, but, but they're two different things. And they can obviously lead to one another, but eroticism is much more than actual sex. Eroticism can lead, the spirit of eroticism, you know, shows up in a lot of very non-sexual things. It's about pull, about drive, about, you know, that thing that compels you to stop and be further into it. Um, so it's both and. All right. I, I, yeah, so I'm thinking about, like, whether my story around pleasure and... Um, what, what my early education was, who are the people that taught me about pleasure what it is, and it's been, it's been fascinating. Um, one of those forces that I have a very strange relationship to pornography, um, from being anti-porn, right. to being in college, taking a class where I had to watch a porn flick for the class, and that being this really like eye-opening, revolutionary tool for me. Because I had to realize how much internalized homophobia and how afraid of sexuality and sex that I was um, through this piece. So I'm thinking about like what, like, 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 what are my pleasure principles and where they came from? Mm. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm intrigued. It's a little yeah. emotional too. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think about like a story that I, I, was, I was heard and I told and I, you know, I have about sex, sexuality and pleasure and joy. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm reading. Hmm. I've been debating checking that book out, huh? but like for some reason it's, I don't know. Maybe maybe I, I I'm not ready <laughs> to deal with it, or maybe I'm. I think you know what's funny. I think that it would go really well well with like where you are. Okay. Um, in terms of like with the, how you answer the question in the first place. Right. Um, so actually, I would actually love for you to read the book and we could talk about it. Like whenever you get to it, I mean, it's definitely written, and the book is definitely written from the perspective or from the lens of you know, um, a black queer woman. Okay. Oh, a black queer cisgender woman. Um. Well, mm. sister, a black, let's just say black queer woman. All right. Um, and um, so I know that in the book club, like, not everybody, well, no, none of us are black queer women in the book club, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of us is black. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're all queer. Um, you know, so it's a different, you know, um, you know, there's folks who are trans, like, there's folks who are cis in the beginning of the book club. So it's definitely like, none of us are the identity of the writer. Um, but in that, I think there's still things that I find are, are I'm finding amazing. Mm. Um, and I think it's always great to witness the experience of others as a way of witnessing ourselves. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think I would love for you to read it. 
um, and go and go through and shit. I'm telling you, I just think that this, you know, like, you know, the feminism, like, like feminist voices are really helpful in helping me to understand my life and my relationship to everybody else. So I'm, I'm always like into it, but okay, for sure. Um, the other question is, next question is, um, we have three questions. What are you reading? What do you love? What makes you come? So what do you love? So should I go again or should I, do you, one of you want to go? Um, you should totally go again. All right. What I love is, um, I, so, uh, what I, what I love is my, the, uh, a manic component of my personality. Um, and you love that. Well, and so oftentimes I criticize myself for it. Mm. And, and so I criticize myself for like, like being like, Oh, I want to, I want to start doing this. I want to start like weaving. I want to start, I want a sewing machine. I want to like, and I've gotten better at just like not really acting on that impulse. But one thing that I, 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 um, it was last night. Like I, I went to bed at like 11 and immediately when I laid down in bed, I realized that I wasn't going to go to sleep for three hours because, uh, I was going to be like in my kitchen, half naked writing on the table and like writing on a piece of paper on the table. <laughs> so like, but, um, <laughs> but like, uh, I, it, so oftentimes I like, I, I would criticize myself for being too, um, impulsive. Uh, but in a sense, like you kind of take for granted if, if you don't like kind of like, if I don't enjoy that manic part of my personality, I kind of take for granted these like weird inspirational creative bursts that come out of nowhere and I don't really know where they come from. So I should just kind of embrace the, 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 uh, that like impulsive weird part of my body. <laughs> so that's what I love. I, I like this, this place you're in. I like this idea of like, in terms of me knowing you, like this idea, the, I, like, I like the idea of like you allowing yourself to like be naked for three hours, writing in the living, in, like in the kitchen in the middle of the night. Like I like this idea. Well, this you is know what I mean, or this like this this new free you. I don't know what's going on, but if you feel like very free or like very more expansive. So I'm always actually up at night. <laughs> I've always been up at night half naked in the kitchen writing on the table. The, the, the difference the difference now is that I leave the blinds open to the kitchen <laughs> so that like the neighbors can see. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. I love it. V, um, Gray, what do you what do you love? What do you we say what do you love? Like what do you love with right now? Person, place, or thing? Um, what moves you, what are you feeling? Yeah, I think mine's the exact opposite. So I'm traditionally just such a such a manic person to where I don't like uh, routine or conformity or really just like really? being anywhere for you too long. So, like, and I organized. make myself do that. Um, but a big spot was uh, solidifying like where I live. I just bought a house and I swore that I would never do it because I never wanted something to ground me so much to where I felt like I, I had to be there. I had a responsibility to something. So I was looking passively for like two years um, and I closed on the house last month and I've just been spending so much time. Uh, like I ripped out all the floors. I did new floors, ripped out the kitchen, redoing the kitchen. Um, and that part to me is completely fine. I really love that creative aspect of it and like working with my hands. But last weekend I went and purchased home furnishings for it. Like just started, right? I didn't like 
Daddy doesn't have a credit card. <laughs> you know I, mean? like, I didn't go furnish the whole thing, but I just started purchasing some some uh, personal pieces, and I hated it. I absolutely hated really? it. Really? Um, because it was like saying, you know, this this doesn't matter to you. Like, I don't have to have this to be happy. Um, and I thought that that was what I was missing, was like a grounding point. And I was like, okay, as soon as I get this, then I'll be able to move on. Um, but I have it, and I started furnishing it. And I was like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't need this. I don't have to have it. So I'm really loving that I, I can recognize that about myself and that, that, that having that home doesn't define me. And now I can enjoy like going out and not having to have in the back of my mind, like you need to adult, you need to adult because now that I've done it and I'm in the process, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't hold any weight to like what I value. And that's what I'm loving is like realizing that, Hey, even though you have this or you don't have it, it won't change like who you are. Um, that's what I'm loving right now. Mm. So would you say that like, whoa, this is deep. This is, this is big. So like buying a house like is changing your perception of yourself. It's it's acknowledging that I don't have to have it, right? Like because I I never really wanted to like I never wanted to buy a house because I was like that's committing that's commitment I don't want to do that, but I always felt like there was something missing. I'm like oh you're not a full adult yet, like right like you're you're not there yet. You're still missing something, and I thought that was it. Like I always thought that that was it. Huh. And now that I've done it, I'm like this isn't it. This isn't it. Like. I think that you can close that chapter and you can move on with it and be fine with not having it, which is really cool. So now I'm going to like Airbnb it, rent it out or sell it. I've had it for a month and I've already decided. You are so terrible. You're terrible. (laughs) Got it. Now I don't want it. Bye. (laughs) Well, do you feel like an adult now? No, it didn't change anything. You know, I I thought that it would. I was like, all right. I have a house, like I'm doing yard work. I'm doing like very suburban things, you know, like I'm saying hi to my neighbors. I'm like, this is not me. This is not me. What, is, what am I doing here? Oh my God. Wait a minute. Wait, has anything changed <laughs> in you? Cause you're like, eh, no, that's not it. No. No? I actually don't believe that. No. Something has changed because the way you interact with our friendship has changed in the past month. Enough. Well, I'm sorry. You feel, <laughs> you feel more present. That's all I'm saying. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's probably true. That's very true. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, I just like. Okay. Uh, I didn't realize that you could use adult. You said I need to adult. I need to adult. Like that was what you were saying to yourself. Um, but I realized that I, I didn't realize that you could use adult as like a verb or whatever that <laughs> whatever that, that would be. Um, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. It's totally what, what it's totally what we're doing in America now. Well, yeah. yeah I think that that's an, a very American thing where it's like. As soon as I get this, then I'll be there. Right. Or like I just need to achieve this one thing, and then I'll be. Would, you know, I think that's that constant need for something. Like what we're oh, told is it, is it a real need? Like, be happy. is it is it real though? Because it's we, not. We, we were told that it's totally not, and that that's what I think that I'm loving realizing is like I don't need that, right? Like I don't need the house. I don't need the car. Like you invest it back into like the experiences and the things that you enjoy doing. So. You would think that buying a house that I wouldn't want to do anything, but I just bought a plane ticket this week back to New Orleans. So, you know, I'm like, it didn't ground me whatsoever. Uh, What am I going to do with you? I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious if you can, can you kind of identify the reason why you wanted to buy the house? 
like and 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 like it's not just the reason like the like super like the superficial reason that you realized it wasn't you but like do you have any idea why if there was anything else that was trying you to do that i think it's because i am so uh non-committal that no matter what i do at any given point there is like still that that root that that grounding point Right, like yeah. to where I can go back to, or like, okay, I'm not starting over. This isn't from scratch. There's a possibility that like you will be able to maintain roots of some some sort, um, and I think that's what was pushing it. Yeah. Huh. But that, that's a lot. For at least no. At least it wasn't because <laughs> well, you, you know I I read my both when I when I want to dig so far into you right now. Um. <laughs> But okay, we're gonna do a little bit. What like what at this time? Like what made you buy the house? Because you've had a realtor for six years, actually. Yeah, I'm gonna put your tea out there. You had your for six years, not just two. Um, was it the house? Like, what made you say like, I need to buy this one now? It it actually so it started out is I was looking at properties in New Orleans, and I was like, that's where I'm going. That's what I'm doing. And I switched jobs. And when I switched jobs, I had to postpone the the home buying process because then you had to like. re-qualify for it so once I did that they're like oh well you no longer qualify for New Orleans because you according to uh, the financing that I have you cannot purchase a home that's so many miles away from where you work so I was like fine let's just transfer it here to Colorado Hmm. and so once we transferred it here then I was really just passively looking and then we found this opportunity I mean it was a fantastic opportunity Uh, and I said, Let, let's do it. Uh, it closed really quickly. And I think it all happened so quick that I didn't have time to have cold feet or like to acknowledge mm. that I'm making this huge life decision right now. It just happened so quickly. Mm. Okay. But yeah, it, was, it wasn't originally for Colorado. It was, it was for New Orleans. Okay, I was going to ask that question uh, when we got off the air when we got to write it up. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, At least it wasn't like a... What do I love right now? Go ahead. <laughs> Nothing. I was gonna make a joke. I was gonna say at least it wasn't like a baby. It's like that. Like, <laughs> it's very, it's, yes, buy a house before you have a baby. Or just, uh, what do I love? I don't know. What do I love? What do I love right now? Um, I went through a phase of like I feel like I am just now. Um, I went through a phase of like May, June through July of like the shit hit the fan. Like, life was just super intense. Um, very much so intense. Like, my father's wife died in the beginning of June. Um, and um, it was really hard for me to, like, so, you know, you show up or whatever. And um, it was like he's a child and I'm the adult. Because his partner, like, like, they were married almost 30 years. Um, no, no, almost 20 years. Wait, no, it's like 24 years from that. Um, so, it's, you know, his partner died. <clears throat> and um, so, you know, that wrecked him. Whatever, right? And then on just the day of the funeral, um, I just, I showed up and I was just like, my job is just to keep him together. Just to ground him, caretake him. Thank God I'm a yoga teacher. <laughs> Breathwork, boy. Whoo, i surprised how helpful it is. Uh, and so that was like, so I, I had begun to think about like, 
what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like when the parent regresses to a child and thinking about like him as an older person and not that, that's a whole rabbit hole. But uh, my dad is young. He's like, he's like, my dad is really young. He's like not even 60 yet. Um, but that in comparison, like a lot of things stressful, like economically and financially and um, business wise got like thrown through the ringer. Um, it was really rough. Um, and so I just had to like show up and just go on autopilot and just put on your like Superman armor and just rush through it so I didn't get eaten alive. Um, and there are a lot of times where I thought that I was going to be getting eaten alive um, and thought that I wasn't going to come out well. However, however, um, praise the goddess, praise to all the gods of creation. Um, things have gotten a lot easier and gentle so I can like do things like like breathe now. Um, my life is still very, still, still a very thick schedule. Um, but I think what I'm loving is I feel, I don't, I just feel a little more capable right now. Um, and I don't know, I'm thankful for like breathing room. Like, and for me, I think what makes it less hard is just for me to understand and recognize certain things about myself. One thing is that I'm just a busy motherfucker, right? There's just a lot going on. And I wasn't able to see that for like, probably for like two years, but I wasn't able to see that really. Um, because I was just trying to like figure out like how not to get eaten up by the fire, and I was gonna quit doing the business where I make body products. Um, and breaking my arm like mean I had to stop doing things, and I thought that I was gonna be like two months to be back at it. But I guess doctors apparently are right about some things. But it does the type of break that I have that it would take about a year to recover. <laughs> apparently they're right. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? So my arm is just finally like, I can, I can finally trust my arm again. I can trust the fact that it's one piece and that I can, you know, it's my right arm that I can like carry heavy objects. Like, I started too early and I, and I got some, I, I paid the price for that. Um, but, <clears throat> so I don't know. I, I think what I'm loving is like some, but um, no, what I'm loving, I'm not feeling like I, I got some breathing room. Um, I feel like I'm like seeing myself like, a little more truthfully, and that's what makes handling all this shit easier, and at one point when I thought I was going to stop the shea butter, I was like, eh, no, 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 I've gotten so much shit from the public about it not being available, but it's been, I don't know, really nice to, I don't know, I just feel like, I don't know, like, what I do maybe actually matters, I don't always feel like that, because I just feel like I'm working in vain, doing shit in vain, running around the city in vain, like, all I'm doing is, like, running around the city trying to, like, pay white people money. Keep your lights on. Yeah, to keep my lights on. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm not sure, like, perhaps. That is very, that is true. That's what my life is. But I feel like maybe, you know, all the other things that I do, there's something that maybe, something about it is helpful to other people. So what I'm loving, I don't know. I can breathe. <laughs> like, Yeah. Which brings me to our next point. We asked, what are you reading? What do you love? What makes you come? Um, and what's so... I want to know what's making everybody come. What's making me Either come literally is or figuratively. Porn. <laughs> and it needs to stop. <laughs> Wait, no, what, what needs to stop? Porn? Uh, I said porn is what's making me come, and I need to diversify. <laughs> <laughs> diversify what makes you come or diversify your porn taste? I know. I'm just. I. 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 Uh, now I'm ready to have sex with a human. 
Yes, yes, sex of humans. Yes, yes, God. I don't think we need any further explanation there. Um, great, what makes you come? Nothing. We're going to change it in like porn. That whole conversation just doesn't do it for me. What conversation? Um, what makes you come? I, I did find a new... In um, life, it cannot be artist. sexual. Too. Okay, perfect. I did find a new artist. Um, I love old jazz like Ooh. 1930s 1940s jazz i love that type of music and i just found fats domino which like hey. everybody probably knows all about fats him, domino. but i uh, just found him loving his music and then from there i found uh, quite a few other artists that that are similar to him from like the 1880s to the 1930s it's just wicked cool i'm loving it yeah. You were taking this, so I feel like your little DNA test result, where you found out that you were no, a lot more black than what you thought you were, I feel like you were really hitting this, <laughs> like the jazz, like you bought a house in a black neighborhood, like you were really uh, embodying your percentages. I, I, I've always loved jazz. I just recently found this person, I, I think I was searching for, um, so Kermit Ruffins is a New Orleans based artist. And I was loving him, and he sings this song called Drop Me Off in New Orleans. And he also sings this song, it's like, When I Die, uh, You Got a Second Line, I think. Oh, yes. I'm probably uh, chopping that. But so from there, I found Fats Domino, and I've just been loving that ever since. Word. Um, hmm. What makes me come? I don't, somebody asked me this question. I don't know that I can answer it myself. I mean, I need, to think, I need to, like, not... Somebody ask me. Uh, wh- I don't want to say it. <laughs> yeah, what make, what makes word. you come? Huh? What makes you come? What? Why do you get the word come? It's a nasty word. What do you What do you prefer? I don't I don't have a replacement for it, though. What do you use to describe that? It's not so bad. What? <laughs> like the the old you like, climax? Christian you woman say... is coming out, and I was like, I don't talk like that. <laughs> old Christian women come because they usually have all the children. <laughs> old Christian <laughs> women have sex because they usually have like seven and eight kids. True. It's not so. I, what makes you come, Maurice? Um, your voice. No. Thank, um, you. Thank you very much. Okay, actually, I think I just. Really <laughs> <did> <laughs> um. I think right now, if you want to get really technical, I think I've just been helping other people come um, in ways that are different for me. So, that's and that's what's doing it for you? No. <laughs> You're ready to have sex with another human. With a different kind of human. Yeah. Part of my sex life is like me being like holding space for others. Um. Holding what? Face? Holding space for others. Ah, okay. Um, I guess you want to get graphic. I don't know. Like, somebody I was with for um, FWB type of thing, friends with benefits kind of thing. Um, But we started on the benefits, and most of our friendship is the benefits part. (laughs) Um, But um, There are many kinds of ways to define friendship. Yeah, right? Um, And so... Part of our part of our, our whole dynamic is it's definitely like a it's been a couple of years we we've been hooking up together and just 
I think me being a couple years older, I think I'm like six years older than him, um, is I think helping him understand himself as, as like a sexual person and helping him through like all the ways in which we change sexually over time or like what we're interested in sexually or what our needs are sexually change over time. And I surmise that he's in a lot of people in his social circle that are able to have this kind of conversation with him or that he feels comfortable with or that they can hold the space to have him talk about it. And so part of our piece is really like me, like, tell, you know, breathe, you know, slow down, like, just let yourself to be. And so his new thing right now is like unpacking masculinity. Because uh, he's like, there are things that I want, but the way my masculinity is set up does not allow me to do them. And so my masculinity is in the way of me feeling free and joyful. And I was like, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Do you know what I mean? Like, masculinity, for me, is a very open space, is a joyful, is a free, is expansive, is a very fluid space in place. And so for, for a lot of him and I are talking about, like, turn that shit off. You know what I mean? Like, seek joy. Seek expand, seek comfort. Like, it's okay. Mm. You know what I mean? And if that <clears throat> breaks the rules of your masculinity, do you know what I mean? That just means that, like, you're in a space right now where you're, you're, where you're redefining your masculinity on your own terms. Do you know what I mean? Because ultimately, if you want to go there, too, it's kind of contradictory um, to this podcast mission, but technically, at the end of the day, to be honest with you all, I don't even believe in, like, gay or straight or male or female. I really only believe in energy. I know that's very woo-woo. I mean, like, I'm no. a spiritualist. I mean, this is that's really who I am. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's my grounding principles. I mean, technically, whatever, right? And so all the other pieces are just things that are how we our process in society and how we, for better or for worse, have to process our experiences in, in, in the social sector. So I've, I honored them in that sense. But at the end of the day, like, child, please. Um, so, yeah, so I've been doing a lot of that. And, um, you know, with him, it's great. I mean, it's cool. It's, I don't yeah, know, I have like, a certain level of affection for him. And I just want his process to be free. So what's been... Um, making me come, like, in an intellectual or a spiritual space is really, like, showing him how to come. Yeah, Or but helping him come. That's nice. But, like, who's who's making space for you? Like, like are you... I need like, people, in, too. Yeah. Yeah, I need people, too. Um, so you're coming, but it could be better. Yeah, you're right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, I'm coming, but it could be better. So Maurice needs to come. And so That's yeah, part of my part of my part of my hesitation about having about coming with a human is that, that if there's like a really high probability that they're going to be like a a, a German with a lot of baggage. <laughs> <laughs> And like, you just say a German is a lot of bad. Reed, we yeah. have a German radio show. I know, and th- this they they love this. <laughs> but, a German is a lot like, of baggage. <laughs> Tell me more. Um, no, but it's it, so part of that is like in a way it's like a bias because I'm like oh I don't want to do this because I know that this is going to happen, and like I, that's not really the right way to approach sex. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Um, what makes me kind of... I definitely need someone who uh, is devoted to doing it differently. I'm not sure... I'm not saying, like, 
this is and this is this isn't meant to be like I'm not like other girls kind of thing, but um, I need somebody who you know I'm not like a an easy comer. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I like like I'm an intense I'm 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 an intense one. You know what I mean? Like beautifully intense, like magically you know intense, but not like intense like scary like being monster. But yeah, but I will say though, but to answer your question though, what is making me come is um, and Gray can testimony this he might he may talk shit about me afterwards. <gasps> is right now there are a ton of plants on my house, my balcony. I have 37 um, different types of plants uh, on my balcony right now, medicinal herbs and so on and so forth. Um, and so I can't decide whether my balcony, if I, if I look like somebody who's interesting, who's like into plants, or if I look <laughs> crazy. like a crazy old lady. Crazy I have no plant idea, lady. But I'm really excited about what I grew this year. Um, and next month is going to be really, really a lot of work because I have to process them. Some of them really are herbs for storage and drying. Um, mm-hmm. And I have a couple, I've got a castor bean tree. It has to go in my house next month before it gets cold. So I don't know where I'm going to do with that very large, wide, interesting purple-leafed, you know, thing here. But um, I, you have, you I have space. You have enough window so light. I set my herbalism up this year. And that, that's what's making me come. Oh. Nice. So you have a bunch of plants in your balcony and like a feral cat. <laughs> and and like, a feral cat. <laughs> Yeah, your cat is your your cat is his own person, um, but he's not feral. All cat all cats are basically feral. Speaking um, of, fuck that! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> my cat just walked by. See, my cat knew you were talking shit about him, so he walked out. Your cat likes me, and it, my in, cat does in, like in you. their in their own way. Yeah, yeah, he does like me. But they, they know that, but no, but I, I set my herbalism game up. Um, this past year, and so I was able to grow some things I'm really proud of um, that are going to be very useful to me, like three different types of lemongrass. Like, um, it was really hot this summer, so my cumin oregano took off. Um, I was able to, like, finally locate and be able to grow some hard-to-find herbs, you know, that are really only pretty much mostly used in, like, Afro-Caribbean communities, mostly religiously and for medical healing. But they're not very popular, so they're not used. I can't just go to a garden store and find them. So through a lot of trial and error, I was able to grow like some like some anamu and some esmata muerto and some uh, rompesaracue and things like that. So I'm really excited about finally being able to have that and being able to have a system now that is sustainable for me to be able to interact with the herbs. So it's not just me buying them online. Um, right. Being at the benefit of other people's prices and availability that I can actually buy them now and Things I'll be able to grow in the greenhouse. I know how to sprout them properly, like they're available. And so I'm excited about like creating something a little more sustainable for me um, on an individual level in terms of my relationship to certain herbs and plants that are used. So that's definitely what went. That 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 was the that was the money shot. Mm. Well, and the house and the balcony look amazing. Yeah, they look amazing. Do I look like a crazy old lady? No, you look like somebody who's really interesting who loves plants and knows how to care for them. You know? Okay. <laughs> I, I have a plant in my front porch and I'm like watering it, trying to make sure that I don't overwater it or kill it, but make sure that it gets enough. I have no clue. And yours are thriving. They look fantastic. Well, mine's that allocation over there, but she'll just take a month. She'll be fine. Cool. Yeah. Um, so any other closing thoughts, comments, y'all? It was great to hear your voice read. Congratulations Thanks. on the two-year anniversary. That's huge. Yeah. Thank you. Hopefully you're successful in your, your sexual intercourse with another human. 
you're yeah, like well, crucifying the, your sex life. I, I will, yeah. So I will, I will keep you and all of our listeners updated. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. <laughs> uh, so once again, as always, you all, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we definitely like to hear back from you. We want to know what you're reading, what you love. Um, I'm definitely hoping you all are coming. As two thirds of this podcast have learned that we need to come, we we were ready to come a little differently. Um, but as always, check us out on all the places where you listen to your favorite shows. Um, and you can check us out at posttwink.com, P O S T T W I N K.com. Um, and we're on all your social media platforms post twink, P O S T T W I N K. And a big shout out to Radio Corax in Halle, Germany for having us um, and mm-hmm. for being so supportive of this project. Um, and shout out to all our German listeners. All of our U.S. listeners, all of our listeners, so y'all are everywhere, man. Like Bulgaria, Russia, China, South Africa. Um, thank you so much, and stay tuned. Bye. See you. <laughs>